Good morning, good morning. <coughs> Breakfast today is sponsored by Corey and Mark Adjmi in celebration of the birth of their new granddaughter, born to ja- Jacqueline and Richard Adjmi, Mabruk Mazaltov. The Pasuk tells us about one of the most tragic stories in uh, all of the Torah this week. We read about how the two sons of Aharon, Nadav and Avihu, each one of them, they take their ishmachtato, each one they take their uh, pan, and they put in it fire, they put incense on it, and they brought it in front of God, a foreign fire that had not been uh, commanded of them. The response and the punishment is swift and exacting. Immediately, a fire comes out from God, and it eats them up, and uh, and they pass away before God. A terrible tragedy on a day that should have been a day of joy, um, because effectively they do some sort of sin. Now, it's important to understand, when we talk about people in Torah, quite often when we're talking about them, we're not really talking about the person themselves. We're talking about the way that Torah is presenting them. Nadav and Avihu, it says, Moshe Rabbeinu said to Aaron afterwards that these two were even greater than the two of us. So if they're greater than Moshe and Aaron, we can't begin to fathom who they were, what their motivations were, how to understand them. But at st- the same time, if the Torah presents it, it's there for us to be able to learn a lesson. So the concept is for us to be able to learn on our level. Let me give you an example as to what I mean by this simple idea. I want you to imagine a, uh, a, a father comes home from work and he's uh, talking about how someone in the company, you know, who is the CEO and, uh, and he got fired. And the kid asks, this little kid, why did he get fired? And the father said, because he stole. And the father said, CEO, he got fired because he stole? And he thinks to himself, the guy is, you know, uh, uh, you know what do they call it? Uh, uh, five-finger discount. You know, the guy who grabbed something off the chocolate off the shelf. Because in the kid's mind, when you talk about stealing, that's what you're talking about. But as he grows up, he asks his father, what was his story with the CEO? And he says, you know what? He was booked for insider trading. What's insider trading? Insider trading means that the guy has a piece of information he's not supposed to have. Someone told him about how a company was doing from the inside. He's got this little tip, and because he has this tip, he invests money in it, but he has an unfair advantage over the rest of the market. Is that stealing, stealing? It's not stealing, stealing. It's just an unfair uh, advantage. Now, the SEC, you know, the Securities and Exchange Commission, is going to come and shut the guy down and send him to prison or whatever because you're not allowed, you're not allowed to be able to trade or deal in that way. But bottom line, because it's an inappropriate way of dealing, because it's an unfair advantage over other people, when you're the CEO of a publicly traded company, so the SEC is going to treat you and is going to be much more strict with you than maybe, than they might have been with someone of a lesser stature. So when you're explaining it to the kid, what do you tell the kid? He stole. What did he do? He had a little bit of information. Maybe he was supposed to have it, maybe he wasn't. And they're going to try and figure out whether or not that's a bookable offense, etc., etc. Rabbi the same thing here over, over here is true with the Sadiqin that we talk about in, with regard to the Torah presents it as if this is what the guy did this wrong. Meanwhile, it's the tiniest version of that and their intentions were this and this was, you know, what's going on in the background. However, it's our job to be able to try and understand what the Torah is teaching us 
by communicating this message to us in such a way. So the Torah says that they brought they brought a foreign fire, excuse me, Esh Zara, and this foreign fire cost them their lives. And the question is that if you look in the very uh, broad uh, writings of our Chamim, the Gemara, the Midrashim, you'll find that the Midrash and the Gemara bring many different reasons as to why they were punished. One reason it's brought down, the reason why they were punished is it says, they came to the Beit HaMikdash, they were drunk when they came to do the Avodah. This is a place of extreme holiness. It needs to be taken very seriously with a lot of gravitas. To act in such a way was to defile it or to, uh, to not treat it with the proper respect. Something of that magnitude, which is disrespected in that way, is a terrible punishment for that. A second idea that's brought down is, they said to themselves, we are so holy, we're such special Jews, that we're not gonna get married. They decided they weren't gonna get married. They were not Nasui Nashim. So again, such great tzaddikim to make a decision not to get married, not to have children when the Torah says explicitly that is what you are supposed to do is a terrible uh, offense. A third idea that's brought down is the reason why uh, they were punished is because they decided to rule a law in front of their rabbi against perhaps against Moshe or against Aharon. Now today, is, uh, is for us, we think, oh, you're just saying a halakha that you learned earlier. What's the problem? But when everything was being communicated, especially without things being written down, when things were being communicated, rabbi to, to, to student, so the entirety of the body of Torah, known as Torah Shebaal Peh, was dependent on people understanding the hierarchy between a teacher and a student. So the kavod and the, the care to not rule in front of your rabbi was paramount, okay? That's another reason. A last reason I'm just going to share today is this idea that a person, uh, um, that along with the, the uh, reasons we gave already, they were walking behind Moshe and Aaron, and they were saying, When will these older uh, people pass away? And we will be able to lead the Jewish people. Now the interesting thing is, and this is what always, it, like almost like they were waiting for them to die. When? Not rooting, matai. When? Doesn't say they were hoping, but they were looking forward to the time when they were going to lead the people. Now the question is, what is, where are all these like ideas coming from? You know, the pasuk says what they did wrong. That's kind of like saying the pasuk Hashem says, "Bereshit barai lukim." The beginning Hashem created, he said, Yehior. Could you imagine the Gemara would say, no, he didn't say Yehior. He said, uh, Bud Light. You know, what are you, you coming with this other thing when the Pasuk says explicitly what he said? So it says, They brought a foreign fire. And the idea is, Rabotai, that the concept of a foreign fire, a, a fire that was not commanded, is true in its physical form with regard to the Korban, but it's also true with the passions and the desires and the sacrifices they wanted to make. Here they were making a sacrifice. They were deciding, you know what, I'm not going to be married. I want to be completely reserved for spirituality. Hashem said, it's a beautiful sacrifice. I did not ask you to make that. Don't make believe like this is spirituality if I didn't ask you for it. A lot of times you have people, I ask, speak to them and they say, Rabbi, I'm not so religious, but I'm very spiritual. And they have all these different spiritual things that they do. But the question is, what is spirituality if God tells you exactly how to relate 
to the spiritual. God tells one how the Nishama is most on fire, most connected. So here you have Nadav and Avihu who are doing something that seems so beautiful. Bring a korban in the Beit HaMikdash. Hashem says, I didn't ask you for this. Don't come and pretend that the things that you feel make you spiritual. Those things are spiritual. In fact, in many cases, they're classified as an Esh Zara. Now that word, we recognize it from the word Avodah Zara. Avodah Zara means a foreign god. Esh Zara means a foreign sacrifice. So number one, their decision not to get married. Hashem says, I didn't ask you for this. Look in my Torah. My Torah tells you, Piru Urvu, Milu Aretz, marry, have children, etc., etc. Number two, sorry? They wanted to connect only to learn Torah, do mitzvot. They said, my wife is going to be a distraction. Asur. Now the concept, the sacrifice, it came from a desire. Moshe is completely different. He had married and had children. And now he's a Navi that Hashem is interacting with at any moment with a complete revelation. So he always needs to be Tahor. But even Miriam and Aharon, their, their father Aharon, when they asked this question, they didn't realize there's a difference between them and, and, and Moshe Rabbeinu. Number one, that's a far, number two. Number two, the idea of Moreh Rabam. All of this it came from the same source. It was a desire, an overwhelming, an anxiousness, a, a ratzon to connect to Hashem. But the problem is, you cannot connect to Hashem in a way where He tells you, I don't want you to connect to me. A lot of times you hear people tell you, Rabbi, I'm very Jewish in my heart. You know, I'm very spiritual, I'm very Jewish in my heart. I don't do these things, but I'm very Jewish in my heart. So the question is, what does it mean to have a Jewish heart? The Torah lays it out exactly what that means. And if a person can follow that, uh, uh, that recipe, then they actually wind up having everything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from them. They thought to themselves, not for a position of leadership. They wanted to be the people that were going to help the Am Yisrael, that were going to lead them, that were going to teach Torah. Their desire was good. But they didn't, they didn't learn the book. Rabotai, I want to share with you one last thing on this idea. Each one of their mistakes came from the same place. However, even though it's not relevant to them, it's relevant to us. The Mishnah in Avot says, En... Ama'aretz Hasid. What does that mean? Ama'aretz means a person who doesn't know Torah. And Ama'aretz Hasid. I don't, Rabotai, we're not talking about Hasidim now today with peot and a beard. You could be a Hasid guy and also not know anything. It just means that you put on a beard and peot. It doesn't mean that you know any Torah. We don't, we're not referring to this sect of Judaism called Hasidim. Hasidim, it's not the point here. Hasid means someone who's a righteous, a pious person. You can't be righteous if you don't know Torah. You can't be pious if you don't know Torah. You know why? How are you supposed to be pious? How are you supposed to be righteous if you don't know what it is that your obligations are? Rabbi we need to rededicate ourselves to learning as much as possible, to be able to know exactly what to do in every situation. And through that, we should be able to connect and come closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the way which He wants from us. Baruch Amen Amen. <laughs>